So the point is to, to be responsible and to plan appropriately takes a lot of effort. And, and I think that's the theme for this podcast is it isn't easy to plan ahead for some of these things, you know, for you to be successful. Uh, it isn't easy and it takes some time. So, you know, all, all that being said, Dan, what are some of the key principles here to plan effectively prior to purchasing products and prior to getting into the production cycle? That's what part of what amazes me so much is just how much the growers we work with, that's, it's what they do. They plan, you know, there's an old saying that says, you know, you plan your work and then you work your plan and to be successful, you know, it's just all about getting organized ahead of time. And so for a lot of them, it really starts really early, you know, so they, it's really common that, uh, you know, we are, we are coming up, we're, we're coming up on August of 2020. And for a lot of growers, that's when the 2021 plan details really start to take effect. So, so, and it's because they can't do anything else about the August of 2020 in a whole bunch of the market, you, you can't do anything to affect the 2020 crop. It's done. You know, the, right. the last fungicide treatment's done, you know, any kind of treatment is done. So, and then they turn their attention to 2021 and and it really starts with like trying to basically, you know, for a lot of growers, it's it's what fields are going to be rotated into what crop, you know. So they're starting to make crop rotation decisions really early uh, the year before. But to your point, to your point, one of the big benefits of being a great planner is related to buying opportunities. Uh-huh. You know, so it's it's just you get out in front of. You get out in front of everything, and that sets you up to figure out when to buy what, you know, during the year. So, um, and and of course, the planning, it's, you know, the, the plan is not just what's going to happen agronomically to set up for the next crop year. It's also your your budget, right? So, you yeah. know, so just it's having placeholders, placeholders in your cash flow for those buying opportunities. I had a chance to uh, work with farmers for several years now, and I, I, I asked every group the same question. Do you plan before you buy or do you buy before you plan? And, and I would say the overwhelming number bought first because there's this pressure of, of getting in early, getting the pro- early program discounts. So speaking for products and committing to something and then doing some detailed planning on the with the products that they purchased, it really happened. That that really happens a lot with seed, right? You know? but, yeah, but with like, but you know, you think crop protect. Some people think crop protection is like this this area that you can't plan, and that's just nonsense. Like you, it's it's really easy to develop a crop protection plan. All you got to do in August is do some evaluation of what worked and where where you have escapes, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's just. You, you can evaluate you can evaluate 80 to 90 percent of your crop protection can be decided a year ahead of time could be right. planned I should I say should could be planned a year ahead of time because you know you know what weeds escaped right so you can plan to, to tackle them next year as you go into rotations the likelihood of having having new weeds you know appear it, would you say that's reasonably low like you have a pretty good a pretty good idea of your weed spectrum your resistance levels uh, from year to year, yeah, yep. And so you, you know, you, you definitely can feel. I mean, growers can definitely get a feel yeah. for what, you know the resistance. Weed resistance doesn't happen overnight, obviously. So it's just so they can get a feel for that really quickly. You know, yeah. you see some real 
you know, we went through a decade where there wasn't, you know, where we didn't have weed resistance and, and crop protection planning was way easier. It was just, you know, how many ounces of glyphosate are we going to use? So, and now, now it's really changed. So so it's, but, but most of it can be planned. And, and by having a great plan that lets you take advantage of prepay opportunities or those, you know, the right pricing opportunities. So, yeah. How do you prepare to plan? What data is relevant? You know, as you think about planning your 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 next crop year, we're uh, we're sitting here beginning of July. We're gonna start we're gonna start looking at nutrient um, variable rate nutrient recommendations here in August. What is the what's the relevant amount of data that I need to start planning? Yeah, and so just you know, in our case, we use a you know we we manage fields based on. Uh, different productivity opportunities within the field, you know, so we, we manage through how we, you know, create zones, you know, where we're more aggressive or less aggressive. So that's a component of it. Obviously, you know, some have some kind of a spatial, ver- you know, soil sample where you're capturing, you know, pH changes and organic matter changes and, and soil test nutrient changes throughout the field is a big piece of it. So, so that that's kind of an annual, you know, where a certain percent of the acres are getting resampled every, you know, every year. So that's constantly, that information is constantly uh, being updated. So those are a big part of the nutrient plans. One of the, uh, one of the myths are um, planning is an event. It, it, it happens and then, and then you're done and then you, uh, you go on to implement. But Dan, that's, that's not what I've seen from farmers who are effective planners, it is a multi-step process. Would you agree? And what would you see as those multiple steps that farmers need to take to plan effectively? Maybe the maybe best way to explain it is use an example. So w- when you talk about planning with farmers, one of the things they'll kind of throw up is it's all weather dependent, you know, mm-hmm. and I can't, I can't plan, uh, you know, nobody can forecast the weather. Nobody can predict right. the weather. I can't plan because I don't know what the weather's going to be. And in, and in their defense, you know, it does seem like we are having bigger swings in weather events, you know, than we maybe did before. So, I mean, there, it could be that we are coming in a period with more weather variability. What I find is that people, people can, they plan around weather. So think of nitrogen management, you know, so nitrogen management, because it's, there, there are a lot of weather components to it. Yeah, definitely. And, but, but a lot of these growers, they, they plan their nitrogen program to have handoffs during the year, you know, so they'll have, they'll make, they want to make, you know, so, so part of it is timeliness of field operations. So, so a lot of growers in heavier soils want to do some nitrogen application early because it takes the the workload off and instead of, instead of applying nitrogen in the spring, they're planting, you know, if it's, if it's fit enough to apply nitrogen in the spring, Spring, they want to be planting in the spring. So they'll do some nitrogen ahead of time. They'll do some nitrogen at planting, somewhere close to planting. And that, that idea of that is to have something immediately available to the young plant to feed the plant. So that could be starter. It could be a weed and feed up, you know, application. So something to get the, and then they'll, and then they'll plan, they'll plan a, a post-emerge application. And that could be anywhere from when the corn is really small to a wide drop application later. And that, that plan. So, so, so what they're doing is they're handing off, you know, the, the, at different places, you're handing the crop off to different types of nitrogen applications. You know, we have partners who 
central advantage in southern Minnesota that has a program called Nitrate Now that they branded Nitrate Now. And it, it's a planned side dress program where they're doing they're doing spatial nitrate sampling in, you know, not quite a hundred thousand acres every year, you know, that's mm-hmm. getting, so it's a planned handoff. It's like, and so they, they, they basically account for weather. You know, if it, if it's a great mineralization spring like this year, you know, where everything warmed up great and, it, and we had adequate moisture and everything took off, they probably are saving growers a bundle on not, you know, there's probably a lot of planned side dress that didn't happen because it wasn't needed. So what you don't want to do is be reactive. You know, like there's a lot of there's a lot of mentality around I'm going to take a picture of the field through an image, right? And I'm going to identify through the image the areas that need something. Definitely. Well, by the time the crop tells you it needs something, it's too late. You know, it's mm-hmm. like you've already lost yield. Like if you if an image will te- if an image tells you that the crop is denitrified, it's not that you shouldn't address those denitrified areas, but but you've already lost yield. So so the idea is to never have the plant have a bad day. You just, right. you know, from, you know, that's what high yields are all about. You just want from start to finish to execute this plan where the plant never has a bad day. And that's how you maximize yield and yield efficiency. Now, you talk about maximizing yield efficiency. Well, a lot of the planning that, that I've seen take place really has a economic emphasis, uh, sorry, an agronomic emphasis. The economics are, are more difficult. Tell me about how we can effectively plan for yield efficiency. For me, it's really in the details. You know, and that's so these plans that we're talking about are very detailed. And, and yeah. part of the detail, Darren, is just we have to get out of this mindset of treating entire fields as though they're the same. It is. They're not. They just or and then and then there's so there's terrific variability within fields. If we're going to drive higher return to land and management, if we're going to drive bigger dollar return, it's all about where we invest, yeah. you know, and how much we invest in what part of fields and how we treat parts of fields differently and how we treat fields differently from one another. You know, they're just, they're not all the same. And managing that variability is all, that's where the big dollar returns come in. So, you know, we, you know, we have single, single decisions that are $100 an acre swings, you know, toward, basically $100 an acre net swings for growers. Yeah, so um, the, the devil's in the details. Um, the complexity is if I'm going to variable rate my nutrients and my seed, um, that's more difficult. And adding cost to it is difficult. But you're right, every, every high-performing grower that we have in yield efficiency does those things extremely well with our with our team with our people yeah and the difficult the difficulty is that's what you know that's what you pay an advisor to do is to make it not difficult like make it make it you know make complex easier you know just you don't you can't make complex simple but you can sure make it easier so you know that's the whole idea is just to make it easier the the outcome though the outcome is by having a plan is just you know grower it growers feel more in control. And when you feel more in control, you have more peace of mind. You know, it's like there's right now the world seems pretty darn out of control. We're, we're, we're finding out just, you know, how much our food production system is a just in time delivery system. You know, there's a lot of just in time, everything. And that's all just, you know, detailed planning and logistics and amazing system. But, 
But right now, just having a better plan in really tight financial times just gives you uh, more control and more peace of mind. It's, also, it's just, it, it, Darren, it's amazing how over the years, how much I've witnessed um, growers, you know, for example, for example, growers who plan seed around the destination of the grain. Yeah. You know, they, they plan what they plant where based on where the grain is going to go. So, you know, if, if they, they have fields that they know are going to be the last to be harvested and they are picking hybrids that have terrific standability and ear retention and that, that, that they can stand to, to the very late in the fall. And, you know, they have fields that are coming out early to go to fill the grain dryer, to get the grain system going. And every, you know, it's like they have, they're chasing an early ethanol bid on some, you know, fields. And so they're, it just everything is everything is planned for details that are very planable, but it's just thinking ahead. Thinking ahead, they get we have growers who plan manure applications two or three years ahead of time. You know they they you know they'll contract with a turkey litter company way out. So because they you know they just they and so they their their fertility plan is you know they 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 know every few years they're got they're going to get access to so much litter or so much manure and they plan that far out so they you know they plan rotations around that so it's it's impressive and it uh, you know just that ability to manage details and give them just and use your data use your data to drive uh, confident decision making so uh, just um Sort of as we wrap up here, what what historical data is relevant? How, how how do how do how do farmers go about you know starting this plan, and what should they be have prepared uh, when uh, when when we start uh, putting their plan together prior to harvest? And I mean, for us, it's just identifying field boundaries and grabbing anything we can. A lot of growers are sitting on a lot of yield data, historic yield data. So we'd, we'd love to grab that because it, we can put that to use immediately. A lot of growers haven't really done much with their yield data. They haven't made a lot of decisions off of it. So they really like the idea of being able to take advantage of some of that data they've been collecting. Um, you know, we're, we're really big on getting a benchmark year started when we, when we get started. So we'd like to grab their planting data, their current planting data and applied fertility data. That way we can, we can kind of establish a baseline year uh, and, and judge ourselves and mark ourselves by how much we improve mm-hmm. yields and yield efficiency. Yeah, we're, um, we're kind of setting up the next podcast to talk about yield efficiency. Um, but I uh, want to make sure that our, our listeners understand we, we, we do this full end-to-end planning process with growers, um, you know, prior prior to them purchasing products and, and after, if that's the case. So, uh, you know, I just want to remind everybody that uh, this is a great time to get started. Um, make sure you contact us if you are want to get involved or get started or have an opinion on our planning process. Dan, thank you uh, again for today for being part of this podcast with me. And uh, I, I hope everybody has a fantastic beginning to July. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Premier Podcast, where everything agronomic is economic. 
please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast so we can continue to provide the best precision ag and analytic results for you. And to learn more about Premier Crop, visit our blog at premiercrop.com.